Yo, what's up, everybody? It's your boy A.L. Newton, and you're tuned in to another episode of A New Perspective. I'm so glad that you found time in your week or started your week off with the old perspective. And I think this one is going to be a good one. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do in these last uh, few episodes of The Perspective is bring on people that I know to be uh, subject matter experts or assistant management experts, depending on what field you're in and how you you know what an SME to be, that makes people's lives better, that, that uh, tap into the resources of persons I know who uh, help challenge my thinking, elevate my thinking and sharp my think sharpen my thinking to see things uh, genuinely from a new perspective on the way of doing things. And so uh, for the next uh, four episodes of The Perspective, I'm gonna bring somebody on to uh, guide us through some things that we might not normally see financially, physically, spiritually, and uh, mentally slash emotionally. Got a great slate of uh, guests coming the next four weeks. Was originally going to try to do this live streamed on Zoom and all kind of other stuff. I was like, hey, got this amazing vehicle uh, called The Perspective and we'll just do it that way. Sometimes, um, sometimes I think we're guilty of trying to throw the water in the horse's face instead of just leading a horse to water and allowing them to make the, the choice to drink. And so that being said, tonight I have someone that I have known for most of my life, uh, someone who is near and dear to me, uh, one, of, one of my wedding party members, uh, the first person who could ever, um, not the very first person to make me vomit from alcoholic beverages, but the very first person who ever put me directly on my behind actually more than more than once we'll probably tell that story um someone that uh, i can talk to about just about anything who i've watched grown and matriculate and learn um, how to navigate being a, a, a single person to being a husband to being a father from going to hey um what is money we're, we're going to spend the hell out of it to somebody that is um, very financially astute and helps people um, navigate their finances for a living. He is uh, good looking by nature because we have the same blood. He is charismatic. He is all those things that I wish I was. It's my cousin, uh, Mr. David Watson. David, tell the people hello. First of all, I'm not cash apping you for that intro. That, that was a <laughs> darn good intro. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? Man, I am excited. I'm happy to be here. Um, you've already determined that I'm not running for any type of political office because of the shenanigans that we were known for back in the day, but it's all good. I'll be able to do some good some other way. Uh, you know, I, I'm, you probably will run for political office. I will never run for political office. Everyone always asks me and I, I just never going to, uh, yeah, it won't be for me. Um, you are an Anderson man. You were not there the night we recorded the Anderson man episode. So you got your own little special one-on-one into it and, and also into your gifts and graces. So the follow-up from that though, Kevin, Kevin told me to ask you why they call you, what, what's your nickname? What do they call you that Kevin told me to ask you why that's your nickname? Wow. You're trying to put this one in the ether. No, nah, you're, you're not going to put me on the spot with that one. Okay. I'm sorry, that's, right. that's going to be a paid subscription for that answer, buddy. <laughs> uh, I really didn't know. And I just remembered it while I was doing the extraction. I was like, dang, Kevin told me to ask. So people, I, I tried, I attempted, uh, and he didn't do it. Let's let's start here before we get too serious, because this will be a, an enlightening conversation. Um, I, I started off by saying you're, you're I've, I've now in my lifetime have been 
uh, inebriated to the point of embarrassment four times in my life. Um, one was the second or third time I drank. Um, the last one I blame um, another another group of friends, but twice belonged to you. One was on my 23rd birthday and one was the weekend of the classic. And I think that's, um, <laughs> we don't need to go into the, the, the very gruesome details of how it was. You got me where you got me. Just, just know that it used to be a time before David matured into who he is now that I learned my lesson about telling David Watson uh, that, that I could drink with him. Um, and it's not necessarily even that you, you drink like that. It's that you know how to read people and keep them at a place to enjoy their environment. How, how do you do that? How, how do you read people? How do you get um, to, to break in? Because you are an icebreaker by nature. How do you get to do that? It's pretty easy, man. First of all, just listen. Understand your surroundings, understand your environment. Man, you are easy mark that night. 21st birthday. I mean, you were, you were full of testosterone and you had a point to prove. And at that point in time, you know, I was in the hospitality industry. I knew all the different type of drinks and everything. And, you know, you was looking to, to make your mark and, you know, draw your line in the sand. And so you was like, you could keep up. Uh, you pretty much felt like that was an easy task. And, you know, I had been at it for a little bit. So I knew the tricks of the trade. So and everybody, stood, we <laughs> everybody stood around and watched me keep going. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of those. You see the train wreck coming and you just can't look away. It's a this train wreck was funny as hell. And so to, to my defense, I drank every drink you put in front of me. You did too. Uh, I drank beverages too. It may not have been alcoholic, but I drank some too. <laughs> right. Um, and I called on about eight. Uh, vodka and cranberry, eight pineapple and cranberry, and uh, about four or five German chocolate shaped uh, shots, and a couple liquid cocaines. When I realized that you were not drinking the same thing I was drinking, but I lasted till about three thirty four in the morning, and then it was uh, it it wasn't pretty. It it just wasn't. I would never forget the way I woke up and the way Wesley woke me up, and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, hey, karma. They say karma's a bitch, and I definitely uh, got karma that same night because you threw up in my brand new truck. Yeah, I mean, I didn't throw up in the, the back seat. I did not throw up in the truck. I threw up on the truck. Yeah, a little bit got in the truck. A lot of okay. it got on the truck. We, we, we were on, what is that, I-10 or whatever that is in Orlando. And I did have you pull over at 3 in the morning and let it. <laughs> we was on the 408. Yes, I do remember that. I don't even think the car stopped. I think I just trusted God in the seatbelt to hold me and I put my body out the door and just let it go. Yeah, hindsight, that was dangerous as hell, but we made it. What a, How the song go? <laughs> Never should have made it. I, I, but you know, that night taught me a whole lot and it got me a whole, whole uh, many a nights that uh, I could keep up and um, many a nights that that prepared me for until my 23rd and until uh, until the, the last time. And I haven't had a drink since that last time. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's your fault that I ever even attempted it. All that and the night we bought 
four box four bottles of Ciroc with 30 minutes until the club closed. That was not a smart night either. But hey. I mean, time <laughs> was of the essence, wasn't it? You had to make the most of the time that we had. And that we and did. We, and we finished all four in 30 minutes between what? Five of us, six of us? Yeah. yeah. Man. That was good times, right? I, I I really, I genuinely, there was an ever a time I should have ever went to jail. It was that night. And I wasn't driving, thank God, um, because I won't be ignorant and say that I've never drank and drive. I've never been profusely drunk or drive, but any tipsy and driving is ignorant as well. I've, I've learned that over the years. Um, but that particular night, we were in Orlando. Um, we had went to that club Tavern on the Lake. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get back to the World Marriott with some people I was with. And this was before cell phones really had GPS. And we stopped. And the way I was with the cop in the gas station, uh, I wasn't rude. I was just really friendly. Uh, <laughs> really friendly. Nevertheless, um, to, to why we're here. To, well, let me ask you a few questions before we get there. So I say yeah, that. Man. We've had some some great times, um, but what what has life been like matriculating out of that stage into the stage you're in now? Man, believe it or not, this is going to be a really good tie-in to what you wanted me to talk about, which was the financial aspect of um, kind of looking into 2022. If you're setting goals and it comes to money, um, where to start, how to start, um, all that good stuff. Uh, just a short and skinny, you know, I was at a place at that particular time when I was in my 20s where it was all about having fun. You know, I came from a household where my parents were strict. I didn't go out. I didn't do a whole lot. As a matter of fact, a lot of the folks that are going to hear this particular podcast are going to be like, wait, David, why is he? Wait, he drank? You used to party with him? I apologize. Oh, no, it's all good. It's part of the story. Um, it's it's my story. But yeah, when I think about finances, I think about how it all began before I even got into the financial services industry. You know, I've been doing this for about seven years. And up until that point in time, when it came down to money, my mom was a banker uh, for many, many years. So I understood the concept of saving, you know, keeping debt low. Uh, she had warned me about credit cards, but the extent of it, when it came to financial literacy, I would say I would probably give myself a D minus. And I would prove that throughout the years uh, with financial decisions that I would make. Um, us going out to the club, spending ridiculous amounts of money on bottles that you could get, you know, five times cheaper if you just go to the store. But that was the environment. That was what was hot, right? Right. And so as I grow and as I start looking at life a little bit more serious, you know, feeling like it's time to settle down and all that good stuff, you start looking at where you're at, what you built or the lack thereof. And it becomes a sobering moment um, that was a pun on pun intended. But yeah, you start sitting down and thinking, where have I built and where is this taking me? And when I finally did get into this industry and start learning how the folks who have money govern themselves, it makes you beat your head against the wall because you're like, what the hell was I doing all this time? But 
what I realized is that I wasn't alone. You're not alone. A lot of folks that look just like me and you have a similar story when it comes to money and what they were taught. And so I'm hoping the conversation that we have today influences somebody to think about what they're doing as of right now in hopes that they really look inwardly and say, is this setting me up for success? Especially if you got somebody that's looking up towards you, because they're going to be mirroring exactly what you're doing for good or for bad. So what, what do you think the most ridiculous purchase was in, in to where you want the people to know your business? What was the most ridiculous purpose, the purchase you made, or what was the moment that was like, uh-huh, I've got to take this seriously? No, it, it wasn't one singular, single thing. No, it was uh, a multitude of just buying stuff. When I think about all the different clothes that I would buy, um, like I had to have a new outfit for every occasion, right? If we're going out, got to have a new fit. You can't see me in the same thing that you saw me in last week. You know, um, put, place an importance on that. Whenever I was working in the hospitality industry, you know, the cash came easy. It was all about, you know, tips. So imagine making... 150, 200 at night, and then putting half of it back into the bar. You know, after you get off of work, you go to the local bar and feeling good. So you're buying friends shots and all that. I, I talk about that with one of my friends that I used to work with. And we talk about how crazy it was for us to do that and how much we could have saved and, you know, where we could be if we would have made better decisions with that. So, yeah, it, it, it really wasn't just one thing, man. Um, you talk about the law of compounding, right? And where it can take you if you just do simple things over and over and over again. So yeah, it, it was more so that, that really, really started to ring. And you know, I, um, I'm a, a significant, well, yeah, I'm a significant amount younger than you all. And so those nights, those Orlando nights, it's crazy because all my friends were in college at the time. Either my friends were in Lake City or my friends were in college in, in Lake City. So much cheaper living in my friends that were in college. They had a different experience. But I got the experience of watching you all. And um, I, I, it was, a, <laughs> it probably was detrimental because you all were a little bit, well, you were all ahead of me on life financially. But when we went, we went. And so that was my mindset everywhere that I had to go. You know what I mean? We, we, we never ever checked prices or checked um, what it was or there was never any going back and forth about a check. You know what I mean? And, and we weren't, I don't think looking back, anybody had it like that. But when you're around people who um, are, are in, if you're in, around people are in atmospheres in which you're comfortable in being liberal in your spending, you're going to spend liberally. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife has to stop me from and and I, I learned to stop myself because there was a time it didn't matter who we went out with where we went I wanted to check huh. and, and she would be like who, who are you trying to prove what no I just I don't like when people price check well let them price check you probably should and it would drive her crazy I'm getting better at that um only because I have more responsibility financially right so, so let me ahead. stop you on that point here real quick um, let me put you on the proverbial couch. 
why did you feel the need that you had to um, be the one to step up to do that? Because I personally hate, um, and I still hate it. I, I think I just go less places. I know I'll go less places. Being out with people and they check the price. And, and I think I got that from, I never remember us checking the price um, because it was about enjoying the moment. And I found going with people who I feel like are watching the price are worried. And that's not all my friends. I cannot say that. I cannot say that's why I pick up the check. I have some friends who are very successful or financially in much better position than I am. But because I developed that habit earlier on, I just never shook it. That if I'm hosting you or if I invite you, because that's the way my cousins treated me, my cousins invited me somewhere, my cousins picked up the check. Didn't matter how many people were with, I have come to Orlando with friends, with groups of friends, and my cousins didn't bat an eye. And so when I get my friends around, because I, I wanted to, in my mind, be like them, I pick up the check. Uh, and I, and I, there's a, there's a, machi, a, a macho machismo to it of, yeah, I've got it. Um, and in my circle of friends, I've only got one friend who, who will really, truly push back on that um, and be like, no, we're, we're you like he will pay before I can get to it. Uh, I, like I said, now I'm in a different space. Got a mortgage, right? Uh, Nicole's mm -hmm. car is six months old. Uh, my car is a year old. Jordan's in college. It's, it's, it's different financially. Um, hell, I just went and bought hangers and I was like, God. A 20 pack of hangers is $2.97. What in the world is the world coming to? So it's, it's changed some there. Um, but that's why I just, I, I wanted people to be able to enjoy. I felt obligated to make sure that everyone around me enjoyed their time and not worried about the financial ramifications of whatever we were doing. That's real. I want to give a disclaimer out there for everyone that will be listening to this. Um, I hope that this doesn't deter you from wanting to live life because I still believe that can be done. I think it just needs to be done in moderation. So while that's something that you enjoy doing with um, hosting and, you know, making sure everyone has a good time as to me, as long as it's not detracting from the real goals, the, the main goals that are driving you and your family, then by all means, when I would sit down with folks, you know, they're telling me what it is that they are hoping to accomplish that's great. Do you have a budget for that? And do you have a budget for that money that, you know, is just going to go out into the ether? Uh, and what I mean by that is the stuff that you don't mind losing that, that has no real purpose to building wealth or assets. So if that's something that you like to do, by all means, man, have at it. Don't let it become the dominating force of where your money goes or how you govern yourself when it comes to you know financial responsibility you know when it, we have these conversations and these topics people tend to shy away from them because they it feels like i'm being put in a cage you know i'm being restricted from living how i want to live when the, the reality is how you decided to make money the amount that's coming in has kind of created that bubble for you and so if you live larger than your bubble, then that's where the problems start arising. So I, I just wanted to point that out as we get into it, because this may get uncomfortable as um, we talk about some of the things that will help you be better financially um, if you guide yourself by some of these principles.
but continue on, please, kind of, sir. So what do you what do you think? Uh, just just me just sitting here thinking um, perspective is never planned. Um, and I like to do that just just so the conversation is more natural. Just sitting here thinking, think about the number of subscriptions to things. Um, I have a, a premium uh, member to Planet Fitness. I got the black card. I go in there and lay in the hydro bed. But I haven't been probably in two, three hundred days, but I won't go cancel the subscription just because there might be a rainy day and I don't feel like jogging outside. I want to go hit the treadmill. What what are what are some of the things that you see um, when advising? Um, because you you don't just this is one of the gifts of the perspective. Um, you advise people and all all frames of income, but you do spend a majority of your time now dealing with people who are in towards the six figures of, of income. What do you see with people, the average American, the average person, um, the average person under 40, uh, the average black person, where do you see a majority of the waste when a person sits down and make a list of, hey, this is where I spend my money? Where, where, where do you think you see a majority of, this is where people have opportunities? Oh man, that's easy. And it it doesn't matter if you are, the the wealthy type or if um you know you're middle class or, or below that food eating out i bet you right now john if you sat down wrote out your budget you're probably going to see a larger than expected amount going towards eating out fast food than you like to admit why uh one because I, I haven't met anyone who is like, I don't like food, I don't like to eat. Two, uh, if you're trying to cook every day, you actually have to make time. You actually have to make a schedule to get it done. Because if it doesn't, you're still going to be hungry. And so what do you do? You try to find a quick fix. You eat out. So that is probably the biggest thing that I found where people kind of go ham, you know? Yeah, I would definitely say that. You know, luckily, I can say that that has not been my demon because for the past 15 years, I've been in food. <laughs> right. You kind of got to, um, yeah, you, you got you to edge on everybody because you work in it. Right. And, and, and well, that also leads into my health. Um, that part because I don't, I don't consider, I snack all day. I've, I've, food of, I've, I've had for the past 15 years food in abundance as a server if you got a friend as a cook they'll give you whatever you want as a cook you make whatever the hell you want even though you're supposed to pay for it as a manager part of my salary one of them one of my managers told me it is part of your package to eat if you don't eat you short sell your salary what this company pays you now this person got up and jogged 10 miles a day and they were very 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 healthy um, and I was just like, oh, shoot, I get to eat. I'm going to, I'm going to eat a ribeye. That's when I first started really gaining weight. But I mean, ribeye every day, baked potato, this, because it's part of my salary, damn it. Um, so food, that's a good piece. So when, when you're getting into, I'm about to say, you're getting into uh, my realm of piecing together the financial aspect and the physical health aspect of it and the mental health aspect of it they actually go hand in hand. So when you're talking about um, how food influences where your money goes and then how it affects your health, you, you do have to look at it in its totality. Uh, so I just want to put that in there because I believe that's something that's going to come up as we continue to talk. 
So what is the biggest barrier? Okay. Um, I, I, the, the demographic of this, this podcast is mainly driven by uh, 28 to 32 year old men. Women, the, 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 my female uh, listeners of perspective, I appreciate you younger, older than that. But when you're talking to that demographic, right? Mm-hmm. What is the hardest part when persons sit down to talk about their finance? Because as men, we don't like to, we like to talk about making money. We don't like to talk about our financial shortcomings. So what is the biggest barrier that you see or what's the, what's the first thing you got to get past when you're talking to somebody of that demographic or anybody um, when it comes to their financial, their finances and being real about what they can and cannot financially do? When you sit down with a financial professional, the first thing you're trying to gauge is, do I trust this person? Like I'm about to open up to you what I'm doing with my money um, and most likely having to explain why my money is going to these places in order for you to come up with a viable solution that's going to get me to the next level or get me out of the mess that I'm in. And so that means as a black man that I have to open up and I don't know about you, but opening up to another black man was never something I was very comfortable with. You know, I came from kind of an old school parenting style where I knew my dad loved me, but when it came to having those type of conversations, those didn't happen all that often. Again, I will say emphatically, I know my dad loved me and he did everything in his, in his power to make sure that we were provided for and taken care of. But to have those in-depth conversations on that leaves you vulnerable, those are far and few and in between. So when you're talking about your demographic, the 28 to how far does it go up again? 32. 28 to 32. That is still the stage of where you're learning, you're learning yourself. And so you're looking to reach out because you feel either I need help or I'm doing well and I wanna make sure that I do even better. It's gonna force you to have some conversations because a good financial professional isn't concerned about the product that he has for you. He needs to know who you are in order to properly place you in uh, a financial package that makes sense or give you some direction based upon your personality. But in order for us to get to that point, you got to tell me who you are as a person. Otherwise, it's the, the information I'm giving to you isn't going to stick. And I've had that happen. I've tried to help folks get to the next level, but they didn't take their advice. And now thinking back is because you didn't trust me. You weren't ready. You felt like the advice that I was giving you wasn't going to do what you thought it was going to do. Those are some of the hard lessons that I had to learn early on. All right. So that, that was an interesting piece. And you said, well, I'm going to, I want to, yeah, I'm going to take it. There's my podcast. So well, you, you just said something that I think is, is something we don't address enough. You said, you knew your dad, you know, your dad loves you, but mm-hmm. those weren't conversations you had. So now as a father, 
um, especially to a daughter. I know that we shouldn't have gender roles or be gendered, you know, but I, I'm sure that when you look and you envision your daughter's life, there's a certain type of um, a significant other you'll want her to be with. When you're displaying your financial habits or any habits, do you do you lean back on the fact that there are certain things that you just didn't talk to your dad about? Does that ever resonate in your mind when you're making decisions that that um, affect your daughter? Oh, yeah. We're a product of our environment. So I'll say that's lesson number one. Where you're at right now is because of the decisions that you made up until this point in the environment that you've been placed in. So whether it is in a low income environment, there's a mentality behind living there. And oftentimes you do have to move yourself out of the, that environment in order to see a better way of doing things. Um, when it comes to my daughter, yes, I think about the early lessons that I, I got, which I would say that our bills were always paid. We had a roof over our head. We were able to get toys like we were fine that's what i saw on the on the outside on the surface you know the 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 missing pieces were you know how did you manage to to budget all this all these different things you know how did you start investing what was your actual financial plan you know those are the conversations you know as young black men we don't have we don't get mainly because our parents were trying to figure it out as well. And so in knowing that, I wanna make sure that my daughter is in those conversations as she starts to grow and mature. You know, again, going back to my dad's generation, you know, he's of the boomer generation, right? Things were a lot simpler. Uh, you work for one company for a long time with the hopes that you were gonna get a pension and be taken care of for the rest of your life. But as we know, times have changed. The investment world has changed. Companies no longer provide that security blanket. And so the way that he envisioned going into retirement is completely different from myself. And I imagine that things are probably going to change for my daughter when she starts to get older. So the way that I look at things, I got to make sure that she is prepared to be educated whether it's going to school, getting a degree, learning a trade, figuring out um, a business path that she can take, but creating as many income streams as she can for herself to where nobody dictates how much money comes in your house. Because when that money stops coming in, that's when the problems really begin to magnify. And here's another thing that I wanna, um, say about that everybody has issues or problem that they're dealing with money most of the time can blanket a lot of that stuff but when you got problems and you don't have the money <laughs> man it's like being in a full snuggie with the heat on you just uncomfortable all the time and so I, that's what I think about when I think about my daughter, the things that I learned from the past and where I'm at at this very moment. All right. So um, 
when when people are dealing with finances, because we brought up that, that money is different. Hell, I went to a grocery store the other day and I bought like six or seven items, not even items I thought were expensive and spent $68 and wanted to cry. Inflation is real. Um, for oh, for people to say that it's, it's all admin, but people get paid more money. We want people to get paid more money when you have to pay more money. But that also means that we have to... Um, we have to be smart with our finances. And, and you said something about a financial plan. I want you to walk through that because I say it's become part of my offertorial appeal now on Sunday mornings is the fact that prices have inflated, but the only thing that has not inflated that you should, in my opinion, pay is your tithes. That 10% ain't gone up. God has not gone up and said, well, inflation has gone up. Let's go to 15% now, right? Mm-hmm. So- Walk us through writing a good, solid financial plan for dummies that somebody can take the basic of that and walk away from this and say, hey, this is what I need to do to get started in the right direction. Hmm. I would first start out with saying, what are your major goals? You know, what is driving you? Uh, What do you really enjoy? What puts a smile on your face? Let's start there. So if you like to travel, put that down. If retirement is something that's big to you, you know, philanthropy, whatever the case may be, three to five goals, write that down. Start with how much do you make? um, How much income is coming in? Whether it be from uh, your job or from the business that you own, um, any passive income that may be coming in, how much money is sitting on your table? From there, what are all your expenses? You know, as far as um, your mortgage, your rent, uh, your car note, insurances, light bill, cell phone, go down the list and see what's left over. Hopefully you have something left over. And the way I look at it, you should have 20% at least left over to go towards saving and investing. Now that you figured out how much you have left over on the table, you wanna make sure that you have three to six months worth of living expenses put away in liquid savings for that rainy day, for that accident that happens, for that job loss that happens, um, just cash that you can get to quick, fast, and in a hurry. From there, if you got that covered, like you said just a few moments ago, inflation is real. If all you do is save, you're actually losing money. I think the inflation rate right now is at, for everything, 6.8%. So if your money is sitting in an account that's making 0.0001%, but inflation is at 6.8, slowly that's going to eat away at your money. So you have to be investing. If you're a novice and don't know what you're doing with investing if you're at a company that provides you a 401k or 403b as a nonprofit, put money there uh, oftentimes they have it set up to where it's going to be invested across a lot of different companies um in mutual funds etfs i try not to get too heavy with the jargon but basically the longer that you put that money into investment over time it's going to grow and it should outpace inflation. So I would say first, know your goals, 
know your budget, save, invest. And I'll throw a fifth one in there. Know what your credit score is. Credit is huge. Knowing how to leverage debt is huge, but I feel like that's a, a big piece of on um, the pie that needs its own segment uh, because you can do so much if you understand how to leverage credit, but it can get you in a lot of trouble as well. So I'll say, take care of those um, first four for sure. That's your foundation, that's your base. Um, but also make sure that you are, if you're taking care of your finances as far as paying your bills on time, um, not letting anything get behind, you're off to a good start to having good credit uh, there on your balance sheet. That's what yeah, I would say. With, with, like I said, this, the house buying process has been a, a menace and we bought a car before everything closed on the house. And even though- Oh, we, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, we thought we closed. We signed closing documents, but because the house wasn't done, and this is a conversation people don't have, because the house wasn't done, I did not know that the mortgage company can silently run your credit as much <laughs> and as they, they want to until yeah. that house is finished. So we bought a car and we found out that the day before construction was supposed to finish, um, that they weren't going to guarantee the mortgage because they realized our debt income ratio changed. It changed, yes, sir. Credit, credit, credit didn't shift. This didn't. So those are the type of lessons that we don't have. And I would have never thought to ask somebody. I was looking to, to find out something else once the house is done. And they were like, no, you need to wait because three to four months after you get a mortgage, your credit score jumps. Never, never would have thought about it. And they explained why, because a mortgage is a very huge, secure loan that they give you. Mm -hmm. um, if you get cleared for a mortgage, you can get cleared for just about anything else. Be patient. Yeah. Oh, they're like, yeah, that's when you refinance. That's when you, um, that if you're going to do something, that's when you do it is right after that mortgage payment starts showing on your credit score. Doesn't matter what's there before. Once that mortgage payment hits, because most, for most persons, if you've got a mortgage, your mortgage, and you correct me if I'm wrong, this right here, the, the amount of the mortgage normally outweighs the amount of every other debt you have. And if you're paying on that, then that shows good to other creditors. Absolutely. No, you're you're hitting the nail on the head. Um, your mortgage is going to be the biggest um, debt on your balance sheet. Um, so, yeah. And taking it back to the point of you um, making a purchase to finance a car. Uh, definitely not raining on your parade with that, because when you don't know, you don't know. But that's when. Uh, when you're dealing with big purchases, when you're dealing with the realm that you're unfamiliar with, where having a professional alongside you, a realtor in this particular case, is invaluable because um, it may speed up the amount of time that it takes for you to, you know, get through that home buying process. It may save you thousands of dollars that would have otherwise been lost had you had known this before. Um, so that is another lesson that I would say is find professionals that, you know, you, you feel comfortable with talking to about these things, because hopefully they're going to guide you in the right direction and take you from point A to point B in a straight line versus you having to make pit stops because, oh, I didn't know that. Dang, I got to go back now. 
because I need more money for this. I've seen it happen. Yeah, they they wanted more money. I had to write up, I had to write up another <laughs> they check. They wanted more money. Income ratio. I was like, what the hell? They're like, yeah, they want this. They're coming with more yeah. money. And but the that's where going into that having out. more liquid was important at that moment because I had it. Yeah. Um, I had it to reach into. Um, being realistic about where I'm financially right now, and there ain't nobody business except for Nicole's. Like right now, it's tight. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's tight. I've, I've had to pull my hand out of some of the stock I own. I still have a, 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 a decent position, but you know what I mean. I I realized that I needed to pull back. Um. But I'm also in the position of knowing, hey, I guess I see value in the purchase, right? Yeah. And I don't know. I think that's a the conversation we don't feel comfortable with. Is there value in our purchases? How how, how do you how have you have you have you seen that? Persons, I mean, it goes back to buying clothes and buying bottles, but even more so, um, Amazon is is it is is, is <laughs> a stupid purchase that I bought. I bought it. I bought a glasses stand for my eyeglasses. See, it's the most spotty little thing in the world. <laughs> it looks so nice sitting on my bathroom. I, I, 15 pair of glasses just sitting there so nicely that I actually use. They're not cosmetic. But was it a purchase that I needed? Is there value in the purchase? Opposed to buying something that I need. Um, I have rolling chairs in my office. I have a carpet floor. A rubber mat for that preserves the carpet. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How, how how is how difficult is it to get persons to see the the difference in buying what you want and buying what you need and and holding off sometimes on what you want to get what you need how how, how difficult are those conversations um i feel like it's gotten easier because i'm going to ask you if you feel it's a need explain why it's a need how does this add value like i'm not going to convince you the the worst thing you can try to do is uh, a mentor or a guide or advisor is try to convince someone of something that they shouldn't do you're not the hero in their story they are and if they're convinced that this is what they need to do now i can ask you questions that make you think a little harder about the choices that you're making so you ultimately say, let me take a step back because maybe this isn't a, a, a need after all. Or in the grand scheme of things, actually me getting this house is a lot more important than having to buy this other big thing that I just have to have. But again, it has no significant value. I want you to be able to say that for yourself. If we getting, we've gotten up to that point to where you're still gung-ho on it, I'm going to give you my personal, my professional opinion on it and hopefully be able to paint a picture of what things are going to look like if you continue down that road. And my job is not to parent you, to force you into doing something that I can either know is going to be detrimental to you or can see down the road because our relationship will become strained because then if you're doing stuff out of obligation, eventually you're going to be like, you know what? I don't need this. And you're going to walk away or you're going to ghost. Right. So I will say the conversations now, in my opinion, have become easier because you're either going to see it for yourself or 
you're just going to be that ignorant and, and boneheaded and do it anyway. And sometimes we need our lessons and experiences to teach us. Unfortunately, I've been like that myself, you know, so I, I can't judge anybody for learning the hard way. So if if there is, because um, I know there's more than one piece of advice I've said, um, and, and, and sometimes I get disappointed in people, you know, we, we put on a financial seminar uh, and you offered your services, at least for the basics, for free. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, put it out there, set up the, the location, set up food, did, and the turnout wasn't what it needed to be. Although persons registered and persons wrote and people, hey, I need it, um, and then didn't show up. So I guess how, how affordable or how ascertainable, if that's the correct word, is it for a person making $60,000 or less? um to reach out to a financial advisor and work that into their budget uh depends on the type of advisor that you are sitting down with um you, you're pretty much going to run into two types you're going to run into a fee-based planner uh which means they're going to charge you a certain amount um they're going to write you a plan and it behooves you to take that advice because you have skin in the game, right? Um, and then you have commission-based um, planners who pretty much make their money off the products that they sell. Uh, I would say for someone that is making 60 and under, it can be tough to, um, to get with a fee-based planner because oftentimes they're talking about thousands that you need to write a check for in order for them to sit down because for them time is money right and to sit up here and give free advice all day they're not looking to work for free and oftentimes when you're sitting down with a commission-based planner they are looking at you based upon do you have the ability to purchase a financial product for me the hope is that they're doing it in your best interest uh, which is called a fiduciary so you do want to find yourself a fiduciary advisor um, who acts in your best interest. But again, sometimes it can be tough, you know, reading through the BS to find that type of person. Now, I would say there's so much information out there, Anthony. A lot of it is having you just having to do your due diligence. Um, so, and in, even in that, uh, because I don't think that's ever something, I, I, I won't lie, the most financially stable, not rich, the most financially stable person I've ever met is my grandmother. Still to mm -hmm. this day, um, for health reasons, she worked in maybe 15 years, had missed a meal. She's still the person that uh, we go to when we're in trouble financially and to get financial help. Um, but uh, she's she's also big in she she tithes what she's supposed to she helps people only when she can and she has the ability to say no I think one of the things that plague us in the african-american community um is we lack the ability to say no when we don't have um and i think the thing that some of our parents could have done better for us. And I see it now and it really, it, it grieves my soul to watch it with the like, younger generation of parents. And I get slack all the time because people tell me I don't have a, a kid of my own, so I don't understand it. But Jordan, 
went with, went without nothing. Um, but we still possess the visit, the ability to say no when we don't have it. How do you feel about that when when you see that in people with with family members, with parents to children, um, with tight friends, that ability to say no when I don't have, when I financially cannot do it? How do I feel? I, I feel this. It feels like a dog chasing its tail. Um, you're, you're not getting anywhere. Um, and I get it. Like, this is family. This is someone I love. I, I don't want to see this person without, right? But how do you break this cycle? Something has to change with your circumstances where you make either make more money or you have to make that tough decision. And I'm not going to be the one to tell you not to help out your family member. Now, if you're griping about it and you're looking for a, a way out, then, hey, let's sit down and see what the viable options are, right? But no, that, that could be one of those landmines that I prefer not to step into. Again, a person has to be willing to come to the table to recognize that this not, might not be the healthiest way of doing things. Oh, for some folks, that might just be life as is. You know, my hope is that the thorn in their side is paining them enough to say something's got to change. I need to reposition myself so I'm not suffering and you're not suffering. So, again, it may be looking at where you're at as far as employment. It may be you considering making a change what you're doing if you're not making enough money or if you don't have the, the skill set or the tools to reach the next level, you know, having the, the wherewithal to say, hey, I may need to go back to school, retool, get a trade or certification to change my situation. Talking about this, man, sounds easy, right? But being there in it, 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 can, be a it can be a real chore, right? So let's uh, let let me ask you about this. You you recently made a big announcement on your birthday. Um, mm -hmm. Happy happy belated birthday! Capricorns are the best. Uh, normally, mm -hmm. don't get signs and astrology. Not because I'm so churchy, just because it's a lot to understand. Um, <laughs> and that if if it is my theological position, and I take this theological position that if the wise men use the North Star to find Jesus. Um, then there is some strength in being able to read what God has written in the cosmos to understand your life. That's my theological position. Um, but all that being said, <laughs> Capricorns are the best in January. Capricorns uh, are, are by far superior. Nevertheless. Um, Man, you you trying to get something started. So you could have just <laughs> left it that Capricorns are the best Period. Left it right there. You would have been good with me. I'm beating my chest like, yeah, there's my boy. He talking that truth. Yeah, you took it too far. Uh, I, I'm like you. I'm not into the whole astrology thing. I do know that the animal that Capricorn subscribed to is a goat. goat. I mean, need you say anything else? I don't, I don't know what the rest of that stuff is. It's some fish out there, some twins, it's some something. But I know the goat greatest of all time. 
we are the I, I know that is. So, um, but you made a big announcement um, on your birthday. So I want you to share that with the people that listen to Perspective, uh, those persons who may be listening or might have listened across 42 countries, across uh, 9,000 impacted devices. Um, make that announcement here. Man, I appreciate you allowing me to use your platform to make the announcement. Uh, so I've been inspired by you and others to put my voice out there. The fact that I've had the opportunity to sit down with countless folks and hear their story, I realize that you know the financial aspect is just one part of the puzzle. People deal with that on a daily basis, but they're also trying to make sure that they're they're healthy, that they're living as long as they can, being mobile, being sound of mind, as long as possible. So you got those two things and then add in a third thing, which is your mental well-being, dealing with stress, dealing with decisions, dealing with that inner you. We deal with all three of those areas on a daily basis. And so the podcast that I'm looking to bring about, bring to the folks is a conversation in those three areas and how we govern ourselves from a fundamental standpoint. What is your blueprint right now to how you handle your financial health, your physical health, and your mental health? Oftentimes we have one, maybe two of them down, but usually there's a third that is lacking for whatever reason. And so with my podcast, which will be called One Life to Build, I will seek to find experts in those three areas because this is something that I'm striving to be better in myself, to be the best version of myself and making sure that I have a good blueprint in financial health, physical health, and mental health. Because again, as a father, I want to make sure I'm giving my daughter the best chances of succeeding once she reaches adulthood and then truly build generational wealth and a legacy i don't believe it's just about the money i also believe it's about the knowledge that you have the impact the tools and the skills that you can provide to the next generation so you're not just giving them fish you're you know you're giving them the fishing rod to fish for themselves so one life to build right now is slated to come out in the next two weeks um what i'm realizing new is putting this whole podcast of stuff together is a chore in itself. So, you know, my hope and goal is to come together with something that people are going to want to listen to, because there are a lot of stories Shoot, just us talking here um, during this period of time, you know, we got into some deep conversations and I know that there are other people out there that have gone through similar situations that me and you have talked about. And so I just want to make sure that when you're going through those situations, that you can come to this podcast and say, hey, there's some answers that I've been looking for. Or, hey, he's talked about some resources that I didn't know existed. And that's pretty much what I'm hoping to get from doing this. So, again, man, thank you. All right. So there's one final piece. Everybody comes on perspective. I always ask them this question. If there was one uh, piece of advice, one final spinal soundbite, if something happened tomorrow and, and, and we had one piece of knowledge to pay back, for those closest to you, what what's one piece of advice uh, that you would leave uh, with the world? 
One piece of advice, man, there's so many lessons that I've learned here, especially recently. I would say, check your surroundings. And what I mean by that, the five people that are closest to you, you know, make sure that they are supporting you, elevating you, and giving you honest, positive feedback, even if it may be a no. Helping you grow. But again, you are going to see exactly where you stand, oftentimes financially, physically, and mentally, by the people that are closest to you. So I would say make sure that your environment uh, is a, a place of growth. This has been good to me. Uh, hopefully it was good to you. And hopefully it's good to those of you who listen. Um, until next week, uh, this has been Perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it.